0: good to be here. Um, this was a tough one. This was a tough sermon, uh, just because we will be talking a lot about maturity, and I'm not that mature when I think about it, but we'll we'll kind of, uh, as we go through this, discover or hope, actually, in the end, that we'll walk away encouraged to uh, be more mature, and knowing what that is, and how we do that. Uh, but the fact is, We live in a world of immaturity, from the lyrics of our music to the actions of our nations. It's prevalent, it's rampant, and it's largely ignored. When songs like Pretty Girls from Britney Spears can be released, and not just released, but then played on the radio, you know something is up. You know something is seriously wrong. And I've got a snippet of some of those lyrics that I want you to hear. I'm not gonna sing it in the Britney Spears voice though, so I won't won't put you through that. All around the world, pretty girls. Wipe the floor with all the boys. Pour the drinks, bring the noise. We're just so pretty. All around the world, pretty girls. Jump the line to the front, do what we like, get what we want, we're just so pretty. It's pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. I don't know, I wanted to be in that meeting like when the writers of this music were like, hey, this is the guy, I think this will be really popular. And the, f- the funny thing is, I guess apparently they played on the radio, so it's apparently likable by some. And that's scary, to say the least. But uh, it, gets, it gets far worse than this. Consider these two stories. I'm just going to read them directly. I got these from news sites. A Canadian man was married with seven kids who was married with seven kids has left his family in order to fulfill his true identity as a six-year-old girl in an emotional video with gay news site the daily extra in collaboration with transgender project stephanie walsh 52 of toronto says he realized he was transgender rather than simply a cross-dresser at age 46 he split from his wife maria after she told him to stop being trans or leave. Now Stephanie lives with friends who are his adoptive mommy and daddy as a six year old girl, dressing in children's clothing and spending her time playing and coloring with her adoptive parents. Grandchildren, their grandchildren. Or, or what about this one? Michelle Joni Lepidos is the girl who would not grow up at least not in the conventional sense of being bogged down by anxiety and an unloved job. Pretty with red hair and an incessant desire to play, Lepidos is a part hippie, part four-year-old, devoted to seeking, devoted to seeing adults break out of their routines and rediscover the magic of childhood. It is one of the reasons that Lepidos, 30, is starting a preschool for adults. That's right, anyone over... 18 or older can enroll in Lupito's Preschool Mastermind, a month-long course where adults can relive their pre-K days with activities like finger painting, show-and-tell, nap time, and even class picture day that prompts you to dress your four-year-old best. The worst thing about these stories is that uh, they're becoming more and more normal. Many people around the world are getting Peter Pan syndrome Desiring to revert back to uh, childhood and immaturity. And it's super sad. I think about the children of the gentleman who goes by Stephanie now. And I think about his seven kids, his wife that he abandoned. So he could fulfill his desire to live as a six-year-old child. What are going to happen to his children? They're going to grow up knowing their father left them in one of the most immature ways you can imagine. And it's normal. And in fact, in the video, it seemed like we should feel sorry for him or we should, we should really understand that it's okay for him to be that way. But in fact, it's not. And then the, the thing with the adults, they can go to this childhood or this uh, preschool for adults. I mean... When we grow up and become mature, that doesn't mean we become these boring, lifeless people. We can have fun as adults. We can enjoy things, but going back and, and finger painting, nap time, show and tell, I mean, that is truly ridiculous. But many people would be upset that I even say these things. Immaturity has led to wars, when immature, grown adults fight over and bicker over land, power. It's led to sex trafficking, when men who can't control their desires, baby men, look to go and kidnap little children as sex slaves. Immaturity, has led to fathers and mothers abandoning their children. The number of children living in single-parent homes has nearly doubled since 1960, according to data from the 2010 census. Today, one-third of American children, a total of 15 million, are being raised without a father. Immaturity has led to massive amounts of pain and suffering. Divorce, the murder of babies, by abortion. All these things because somebody wants what they want, and they won't let anything get in their way. Immaturity. Our world is not a friend of maturity. I would even argue it is an advocate of immaturity. Most of the media, the songs, the literature, and so on, promotes doing what you feel like. Do whatever you want. There's no pre- precautions. Go out and get drunk before you go to work the next day. It's going to be okay. You're gonna, you can still do a good job, right, with a huge hangover. There's no, you go ahead, sleep with whoever you want, right? It promotes promiscuous relationships, cheating on your spouse, illegal activities, violence, and hatred. People are constantly being barraged by gratuitous images of violence and nudity. The mainstream things that we, that the world has, are being pushed towards us on a silver platter to be consumed and it's taking its toll. It's definitely taking a toll in Syria with the wars over there, once again immaturity, with children being ravished by bombs on a regular basis, being torn apart by the war. Maybe you've seen the recent video of the young child covered in ash with a bloody eye. Well, he's dead He died. The uh, wounds that he received were internal. And so he eventually died. He's gone. Passed away. Immaturity. Because we think it's a good idea to fight over land and over beliefs. Immaturity is a sin issue. Satan loves it. He loves it. He loves it. He wants it to reign in our hearts and in our minds, so it'll bring about death and destruction. But with all this weighing down upon us, there is a glimpse of hope. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. That's what today's passage is all about. I want us to leave here encouraged, and strengthened to pursue maturity so that we can be a light in a dark world and show them what true maturity is. Our passage today is going to help us better understand what maturity is, where it is found, and the effects it has. So the first thing I want to talk about, the first question, is what is true maturity anyway? Because it's really hard to navigate what true maturity is in our culture. current cultural climate. Take a moment with me and imagine in your head the most mature person you can think of. What are their habits? What does their day look like? How do they interact with others? When we think of uh, maturity, we usually connect it with actions, which is completely normal. We think of maybe Jim. He's so mature. Look at him. He knows how to manage the budget, right? Or uh, Stacy, super mature. Did you see how she handled that rude coworker? We uh, might think that a person is mature because they pay their bills on time or because they keep a budget or they have good hygiene. You brush brush your teeth two times a day. That's pretty mature. They treat people well. But the biblical view of maturity is much deeper. It's not just about our actions, it's about our heart as well. For example, Stacy handled that uh, rude coworker very well, but in her heart, she really just wished to punch her out, and she was just trying to resolve the conflict so she never had to interact with that coworker again. So on the outside, she may look like she handled it well, but on the inside, she was angry. Or Jim, he's really good with finances, right? That seems mature. Except for the fact that he uh, obsesses over it on a regular basis, checking his account. Hourly, even. (laughs) Always worried about it. Taking control of his mind, his finances. And this is also why Jesus said that if you look at a woman lustfully, you have committed adultery in your heart. It's not just if you sleep with a woman that you're not married to that you commit adultery. But if you look at uh, a woman lustfully. So it's not just about action, it's about the heart as well. So what is true maturity? Jesus is the ultimate example to us of maturity. We don't have to feel hopeless, guys. We don't have to look around the world and compare and contrast and say, okay, let's see who's the most mature person in this room. Okay, let's be like that person. No, no, we don't need to do that because ultimately that person's pretty immature. They may have uh, on the outside look good, but we all have our flaws, right? I mean, some of us may be good at finances, uh, but be total jerks, right? Some of us may be really loving towards people, but we, uh, we can't take care of our finances. I mean, just the simple things like that. There's always going to be things that we're good at and mature in and things that we're immature in. So we can't really compare and contrast each other. We have to look to the ultimate example, and that is Jesus. His actions were perfect. Not only his actions, but his heart without a hint of evil. Our passage today admonishes admonishes us to be like Christ, telling us that this is true maturity, being like Christ. So let's go jump into that, Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 13. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God, To mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ so last week uh, josh really uh, nailed down some good stuff mainly in the first portion of our passage today just talking about how christ has given us each gifts and specifically he talked about these gifts that are listed here there's obviously a lot more than that we're all gifted in many different ways and and whatnot Um, but he talked about how we're supposed to use these gifts to build up and bless the church so these gifts that he gives to his people, as we see in these verses, uh, they build up the church in unity and in the knowledge of Jesus. So these people's gifts, what are they supposed to lead to? They're supposed to lead to unity. They're supposed to lead us to the knowledge of Jesus. And this knowledge of Jesus then leads us to maturity, as we see in the last portion of the verse 13. That maturity is measured by Christ. It says, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we have people, we, we have people gifted. They teach us the knowledge of Jesus. As we learn about Jesus, we mature and become like Jesus. He is the measure of maturity, Jesus Christ. So to put it plainly, God wants us to grow up. Which looks like becoming more like Jesus. And this only happens, we only become more like Jesus when we're being built up in unity and in the knowledge of the Son of God. So, the knowledge of the Son of God, right? What's that? Well, it's knowledge about Jesus. It's not this uh, necessary, it's not talking about the gospel knowledge. It's It's talking about more. Like, when you know somebody, I know my wife, you know, we, she's my best friend, Right? We have conversations. We enjoy each other's company. That's the sort of knowledge we're talking about here, the knowledge of the Son of God. And the only way we can really know God or know Jesus is by communion with Him, by spending time with Him. And that looks like the Word, going to God and His Word, seeking to know Him through that and prayer. Through these avenues, through the Word and prayer, the Spirit of God begins to open our heart up to a deeper relationship with Jesus, and this leads to maturity as we begin to become more like Him. So practically, then, what's that look like? Uh, us pursuing the knowledge of the Son of God and maturing in it. I want to go through a few passages, just a few. Just a, let's do some practical application right now. Let's go through a few passages and see how this could lead us to more maturity. So we'll start with uh, this one from John six thirty eight. And most of these are going to be about Jesus. And this one says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Okay, John 13, 31 through 32. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Lots of glory there. (laughs) So Jesus came down from heaven. To do the will of his Father. That's what we learn from these passages. His life was all about glorifying his Father and making his name great and doing it so that he himself was glorified as as well. Let's look at another one. Luke 5, 16. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Jesus was a man of prayer. He prayed often. He had a relationship with his Father through this. All right? Matthew twenty twenty five through twenty eight. But Jesus called them to him and said, "You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many." So. Jesus, God in the flesh, humbled himself to become a man to serve us. So we see from these passages, Jesus was humble. He was sacrificial, loving, loyal, God-glorifying. By reading these passages, we begin to equip ourselves with the truth and knowledge about the Son of God. And in doing so, we mature. See, uh, I think about that last one, Matthew 20. I think about a new believer. You know, they don't, maybe maybe it's someone who didn't grow up in the church. Maybe it's someone who really hasn't read much of the Bible at all, but they've heard the gospel of Jesus, and they know it, and they're like, I I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for my sins and these things. But they never read Matthew 20. What would happen when they read that? They'd realize, oh, Jesus is pretty awesome. He's not like everyone else in the world. He's not like my boss who likes to lord it over people and say, hey, why don't you do what I tell you to do? Because I'm in charge of you. Jesus isn't like that. He—he's a servant. He came to serve us. He—he's God in the flesh, come down on the earth to—to to sacrifice himself for me. And what the heck? Nothing like that in the world. It's—it's it's amazing. It's an amazing truth, right? It transforms our hearts and our lives. And new believer hearing this and realizing it then we would take that truth and then maybe run with it and think, well, maybe I should serve people well. Maybe I should think about others before myself. The first will be last and the last will be first. It begins to transform you just by knowing that truth. Without the word, how can we know Jesus? You may have been taught the gospel, but we still need to know Jesus more and God more, and that's only through the word. How can we mature if not by the word? How can we protect ourselves from the schemes of Satan if not knowing the word? That is why preaching and teaching and our own personal Bible study is so imperative. Psalms one nine, uh, yeah, 119, yeah, one nineteen nine through 16 has a lot to say about the word. Wonderful psalm. If anything, you get out of the sermon today, just go home and read this over and over again because it's pretty great. I mean, I could probably just read this and then get out of here and that'd be good because uh, this is amazing. How can a man keep his way pure? So any men out there or women, what, you want to know how to keep your way pure? Oh, it's right here. By guarding it according to your word. He's talking about God's word. With my whole heart I seek you. And this is David writing this, by the way. Um, Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. God's word matures us as we know who God is In Bible college I did go to Bible college I think you probably know that already I've mentioned it quite a few times but And I sort of talked about my friend Jeremy I believe in a previous sermon So if this is redundant I'm sorry But I You think you go to Bible college Right to learn the Bible Well It actually doesn't seem to be that way At least in this particular Bible college I went there And went to my classes and everything. I wasn't a very good student, but I did go to my classes. I didn't fail. Uh, (laughs) And I show up and I listen to these guys, and they're like, okay, teach me the Bible. Okay, good, good. I'll say, I'll believe whatever you say. Anyway, I had some really weird beliefs, to make the long story short. I had some strange beliefs, strange doctrines, things that weren't biblical that I was taught in Bible college by my professors that I believed because I myself wasn't really reading the Bible. I was reading it more like a textbook. Like if I had to read it for an assignment or something, yeah, I'll read the Bible. But otherwise, I don't really want to want to read it. I was very immature, super immature. Um, and then there was a change. There was, I call it a stake in the life moment, like where you can like look back and be like, wow, this is an extremely important moment in my life. And it was when my friend Jeremy I was like, hey, dude, let's read the Bible. Let's read it together and, like, read it every night and I'll talk to you about the Bible and tell you you want to go and cry. Uh, And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, let's read it. Which sometimes I really did cry because some of the things he was showing me in the Bible I never heard or knew. And so I began to, like, realize these truths. And I was like, what? It was amazing though it was amazing my my hunger for the word because my friend was like hey let's actually go to the word begin to change everything in my life i begin to mature i begin to see what god's what he was all about what the gospel truly was what it meant in my life things changed and my life has never been the same i was saved before it of course but i was a little baby christian you know never read my bible really even at a Bible college. We need God's word to mature. So to summarize up to this point in the sermon, Jesus is our example of maturity. The Bible and prayer lead us into deeper knowledge of Jesus. This leads us to maturity as we are equipped by the truth. When we equip ourselves with the truth of God and the knowledge of Christ, we grow in maturity. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost too simple, right? Just like having a relationship with somebody, it's almost too simple. All you do is you spend time with that person, you actually care about the person, you like that person, you like being around that person. I mean, it's the same thing with God, except just like our earthly relationships, we tend to... Focus inwardly and on ourselves and relationships begin to break and fall apart and it's the same thing with God we We uh, reject him and turn to our own ways That's why we don't mature it's Because we walk away from God in our comfort zones and things But in Christ in his word we can mature But I want to talk about the results now uh, What it looks like when we do mature when we do become more like Christ And uh, we'll jump to the next portion in our passage, Ephesians 4, verse 14. So, we mature so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So we begin to have doctrinal stability as we mature. We don't want to be like children who are gullible and easily deceived, False teachers can creep in and toss us around if we're like that. It's easy for a believer to be swept up in false doctrines if they have not learned the truth that comes from the Word of God. That is how people like Benny Hinn and Joyce Myers get so many people to follow them, because most people don't read their Bibles. Oh, Benny Hinn and Joyce Myers. Just so you know, those guys preach uh, the health, wealth, prosperity gospel. We won't get into that too much, but basically it's a lot of craziness, and it's not in the Bible. I'll leave it at that, but particularly Benny Hinn, I want to talk about him for a moment. I, uh, once upon a time, was in Bangkok, and I had, I was spending time with some of my Pakistani brothers, your brothers too, because they're brothers in Christ, who sort of left Pakistan because of some of the persecution and things, and I was staying at one of their homes in Bangkok, and it was awesome. Those guys were legit. I loved them, and they made awesome food too, but um I, th- and every night, it was so funny. Every night, they're like, hey, Josh, you want to you wanna teach us the Bible? I'm like at 20 at this moment, and these guys are like 30 and 40, and they're like, teach us the Bible. Teach I'm just like, I'm still like super immature. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll teach you the Bible. Awesome. These guys want me. I don't know. It was just an interesting experience. But but one of the things as we started going through the Bible and I started teaching them is they started talking about Benny Hinn. They're like, hey, you know Benny Hinn? Do you like him? And I was like, ooh, <laughs> no, no, I don't actually, and then I began to explain why he was so messed up, because he preached things that weren't in the Bible, he taught things that weren't true, and these guys were sort of shocked, they're like, what, we love Benny Hinn, you know, he's great, because there's this movement in Pakistan that's very centered around, like, people being healed, and health, wealth, and prosperity, like, oh, if you come to Jesus, he'll make you a millionaire, kind of ideas, and uh, if you don't own Benny Hinn, he flies around in a million-dollar jet. He spends thousands of dollars at uh, his hotel rooms, and he's been investigated multiple times and proven to be this fraud, basically, who goes around making money off in the name of Jesus. So these guys were taken in by that, unfortunately, and it was because they didn't know the word, and I feel sorry for them because in Pakistan, sometimes it is hard to be taught the word because you might be killed, or sometimes it's hard to find a Bible. So I could understand them, so that's why they wanted me to teach them the word. So they didn't have to believe in the junk other people were teaching them that were not from God's word. They were not doctrinally stable because they did not have, they were not armed with the knowledge of Jesus. But when we are, we cannot be easily deceived. When we know God's word, we're not just going to listen to any Joe Schmo talk about Jesus and tell us crazy junk. We're going to know like, hey, actually, uh, that's not what the Bible says. Uh, I've never heard of that. So, we begin to have doctrinal stability whenever we mature. Let's move on to the next point. So that's one thing. Number two, we begin to speak the truth in love. In Ephesians 4.15, says, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is said into Christ. So as we mature, we begin to speak the truth in love. God wants us to present the truth to others, Right? Specifically, the truth of his son, Jesus, and what he did for us on the cross. Now, this truth should always be presented with love. If it's not presented with love, just don't even say anything. Okay? Just, if you're not going to tell all people about Jesus with love, just, just shut up, please, for the sake of everybody else. I think of Westboro Baptist Church when I think of people who just need to close their mouths and not say anything. Maybe you've heard about them, but they're basically they're the "God hates fags" church. That's their motto, and uh, pretty sure I've never read that in the Bible. But anyway, there's there's lots of things that they say in very hateful ways, and some of the things they say are true. They talk about God's wrath and you know how people need to repent otherwise they will be under His wrath, and that's true. But they do it in such a way that it's bombarding people, and it's not with the grace of Christ. They don't they 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 don't bring along the full spectrum of the truth. They leave out the part where uh, we're all sinners, we're all messed up, we need Jesus, and guess what? He's died for your sins. You know, that they kind of leave that out and just like to yell at people and tell them that they're going to burn in hell and other crazy stuff. Um, they picket the uh, soldiers' um, funerals and things and thank God that they got killed in combat. So that's not really presenting the truth in love, at all. And those are the sorts of things, um, unfortunately, that, now that's an extreme example, but unfortunately, we all, it's kind of prevalent in a church in America where we speak the truth, but in maybe a cold, harsh way, or maybe an ungenuine way. But Warren, I uh, don't know if I pronounce it right, but Warren, he says this, he says, truth without love is brutality, and love without truth is hypocrisy. Truth without love is brutality, and uh, love without truth is hypocrisy. A mature believer will have the desire to proclaim the truth of the gospel and do it with love. So that's point number two. Next uh, thing that happens as we mature is we begin to contribute to the church and to society. Um... Let's read Ephesians 4.16. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So we need each other. That's what this passage says. When we're joined together, when we're all doing our part, when we're all working together, things begin to happen. The body of Christ begins to be built up. Maturing begins to happen within us. You are important, and you are necessary. Plan A, guys, plan A for God's growth, I mean not God's growth, for the kingdom growth on this earth, for the church growth, is the church. That's plan A, just so you know, and there is no plan B. When we begin to unite, when we begin to use our gifts to love one another, amazing things happen. So a mature believer will, will contribute. That looks like, you know, I'm serving on Sundays. I mean, that's contributing. That looks like using your gifts. Maybe you're good at uh, singing. Maybe you're good at preaching and teaching. Uh, Maybe you're really artistic, and you can make cool designs. I don't know. I mean, there's so many things, and each of us, uh, you may think, oh, I'm not really that gifted. I know you have a gift, and I know that you have specifically one given to you by Jesus if you're in Christ, because he gives us gifts to build up his church. You just haven't found it yet if you think that you're not gifted, and that's something that we can help each other realize. I didn't realize that I would ever preach a sermon in my entire life. In fact, I loathe the idea I was like I don't ever ever want to preach I'm just going to be the youth minister guy I'm never going to step foot in front of a podium never going to do anything like this until someone said hey maybe you just give it a shot we'll see if you're gifted and I did it And I was like oh, yeah, yeah, okay yeah we'll try it again and I kept on and I tried again anyway ultimately here I am today I don't I mean there's way better preachers than me but you know God is using our gifts to build each other up and I hope by the end of the sermon you're built up in some way by what uh, the message is the unfortunate thing, though, is that people in our church who have been following Christ for years are still infants in their faith, and they do not portray these qualities well. They do not have doctrinal stability, even though they've been a Christian for years. They do not speak the truth in love, although they've been a Christian for years. They do not contribute in any way. Consider this passage, Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. And this is uh, the author of Hebrews Some people, most people think it's Paul, but we're not sure. But anyway, the author of Hebrews says this. About this, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain. Since you've become dull of hearing, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Christians should be the most mature people in the world. And guys, before I go any further, just know this is for me. I don't know if you know this, but super immature. And I'm pretty sure we could all look in our lives and be like, well, I'm pretty mature and could grow in that. And the point of this sermon isn't to beat down, but encourage us, which I'm going to get to that. But anyway, Christians should be the most mature people in the world. We should be the light in the dark place, showing the world what it looks like to live a mature life. And yet so often, we look like just everyone else. We, we, we do the same things. We live the same way. There are so many infants in the faith because the word of God is not consumed as it should be. Communion with God in prayer is forsaken. We are not trained up in righteousness and discernment we are trained up in the world's ways instead, knowing more about the latest TV shows than the word of God, spending more time on our hobbies than pursuing Christ. But the gospel, and this is what the sermon's all about. Jesus came to set people free from sin and death. He did this by living the perfect and mature life that we could not live. (laughs) We can't live a perfect mature life. That's for sure. And then he sacrificed himself on the cross taking the punishment we deserved. He did this to save us from the wrath of God, save us from sin as I already said, but he also did this so we could be mature. If Christ is the ultimate example of maturity, then the only way we could ever attain to be like him is by him freeing us from sin. Because, really, what is immaturity? It's just sin. I mean, there's, I could say a lot more to it than that, but I mean, basically, I mean, it's sin. Immature things are, are sin. What the world considers good in life and right, and what the world considers mature, in the end, where does it lead them? That person that you thought about earlier in your head, I hope that person is a believer, but if they're not, they may have the perfect life, they may have everything together, they pay their bills, they work their job, they got a good retirement, and they come to the end of their life and they die, and it was the most, it was a waste. It was a waste. It was The most immature decision they could make to deny God. To waste your life on anything and everything other than God is the utmost of immaturity. Likewise, the most mature thing a person can do is to surrender themselves to the mercies of God and realize their need for Jesus as their Savior from their sins. That's exactly what Jesus did. So for those of you who have not made that decision to follow Christ because of what Christ did on the cross, you can make the decision. You can make that mature decision to live your life rightly because if God created this world, and he did, and if Christ is King and Lord, and he is the definition of maturity, God defines what is mature. And the most mature thing we can do is believe on his son, Jesus. So I challenge you to consider that. Consider what would happen if you chose to live that way, if you chose to give your life to Jesus. The next thing I want to say to those who have committed their life to Christ, maybe Maybe you feel super mature. Maybe you feel, you know, somewhat mature. I don't know where you're at in the spectrum, but ultimately, I hope that you realize that it's not on you. I don't want, I don't want this to be one of those moralistic sermons where you, where I say, okay, be a mature person. Woo! Veggie tails, right? Maybe you guys know that. Anyway, uh, be a mature person. Be a mature person. That's not what I'm saying. You can't be a mature person except by the power of God through his word and through the Holy Spirit and through prayer. That's all I'm saying, guys. If you feel mature, it's okay. I do too. You will for the rest of your life. But guess what? You're going to grow into Christ, the fullness of Christ, as you pursue God. So there is hope. When you leave this place, there's hope. Each day that your head leaves that pillow, there's hope that you can mature into Christ further and further and not be the same person that you were years ago. Every year we change. We change. May Chorus be a place where we take on the attitudes and attributes of our Lord Jesus. And we begin to look like him with each new day. May we know the knowledge of Jesus. May we be people of the word that we aren't so easily deceived. And may we take those truths to others. May we be promoters of the truth in a loving way. Where people, when they hear us speak, they're not automatically offended because we're super rude or say it in a graceless way. May we be a people who contribute to each other, loving one another with our gifts. So many times there's been meals brought to women who have had children in cars. If you can cook, that's an awesome blessing. May we contribute to one another and to this city, using our gifts and abilities, to build up the church. And by doing all this, by maturing in Christ, God is revealing His glory through the church. Let's pray. Lord God.